back to the Compound Podcast. This is episode 181 of the Compound Podcast, presented by Parse Rum. The best rum for every time of year, but what a time of year it is. It's gonna. is. I'm going back to Chicago uh, in a week or so, and I was looking at the weather. It's going to be like 40, and it's going to hurt my soul. It's 75 today. Yeah, it's nice, nice and warm there, huh? Mm-hmm. But it's supposed to be like 40 and below the next like two, like your wedding. I think it's going to be like 30s. Oof. I'm sorry. Sorry to tell you. Yep. I was prepared for that mentally, but not physically. It's indoors. What I will do is I'll have a little bit of parsley right before warm myself up. Oh, yeah. That's As someone who took wedding photos outside in December in Chicago in 30 degree weather, just make sure you're you're, you're working quickly in those photos because uh, we were having a bad time when I took those photos. Respectfully, my friend Mike. That is, yeah, I'm not looking forward to that uh, part of it, but I'm looking forward to the wedding. Go to Benny's, go to the local liquor store, get some parsley, warm yourselves up as it's going to get cold. So I put out a tweet a couple days ago and I said, we're going to record the pod on Tuesday. What should we talk about? We've got a lot of responses. And I'm not going to take any credit for sifting through them. It was Tom. Tom was looking. Tom was searching. He grabbed a couple. And so Tom's going to read off some topics for us. We're going to go through them. We're going to see where we land. I mean, we should probably start with the most current baseball news, which was the Abreu suspension. Uh, stemming from that Game 5 incident. In the ALCS, uh, this was from Rich Beisterfield. Hopefully I'm saying that right. What's their take on the Abreu suspension being upheld but won't be served until 2024? Well, first of all, how awesome is it for baseball that we had one Game 7 and now two Game 7s? Oh, incredible. That's what the world needs. Everybody was like, these playoffs stink. They stink. Well, we have two Game 7s before the World Series, so it's pretty freaking great. Uh, Also ridiculous from the Astros Ranger series that nobody wanted home. That is crazy. And I was going to say, do you think Manfred's like, ah, really wanted the Astros to win that one? Like Astros Phillies, I feel like would be your best ratings. I don't know Not that Rangers don't get fans, but just like a rematch. I don't know. I feel like that would draw a lot. I don't know. I feel like I feel I'm going to go the opposite of you. And I'm going to say that People don't want to watch the same series over and over because we've had that. Like we've had the Dodgers and the Astros. We've had like we've had a bunch of repeat series in the uh, yeah in the last five years, and I think that the fans want fresh blood. I think That's it's a, it's a almost a compliment to the to the Astros. But I've talked to a few just like normal baseball fans, and they're like, "Oh, I'm so excited that the Astros just aren't in it again this year," and it's like. It's a testament to them, like, you know, they've been in everything for the last however many years. And then, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Dakota, we were talking about it with our our group. Like, do you think that baseball wanted a rematch or do you think baseball wanted, like, a different a different crowd? Um, again, I think if there are some good games, especially early, I think it'll attract the audience as it always does. I've, I, don't, I don't think too many people are upset with the Astros being out. Let's put it that way. Outside of Astros fans, I don't think very many people root for the Astros. I think that Major League Baseball is probably rooting for the Phillies, though. Absolutely. I was going to ask that. I was like, I feel like they've become America's team. Like, I feel like everyone. I mean, big big names, big personalities, massive fan base. 
and they're fun. Uh, like they're they fun. fun. They play fun right. baseball. Yeah. Not that the Diamondbacks don't or the Rangers don't, but like, yeah, they just play fun baseball. It would be unbelievable if the Diamondbacks come back and win this series after going down 2-0, getting, I'm going to say obliterated, but like getting beat up those first two games and then having to go play three in Philly or uh, no, going back to Philly, right? They won. They won two out of three at home. And then back to Philly, they won last night. Yep. And then, like, I mean, what a series. (laughs) What a series. I mean, there haven't been a ton of, like, close, close games, right? There was just the one. They played played the games four and five were pretty close. close They walked off game three. They walked off game 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 three. Game three. They walked off three. three. Yeah. Games three and four were close. Yeah. yeah. Was it the, they came back in the eighth, didn't they? Alec they Thomas hit the pinch hit homer, and yeah. then Marte, who, again, we were talking about. The guy is, what, 15 straight hits in his first 15 postseason games, something like that? The dude, he's a freak. It, I mean, he's doing it, bro. Like, again, we were looking at the stats. He is so severely underrated. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yes, he is. But this started with the topic of the Abreu situation, and we really got sidetracked. We got, we got off the rails, but I'm going to put us back on the rails. Dakota, start us with the Abreu. I mean, the discussion is, did he do it on purpose or not? I Zach said it in our group text. What has he given up, Zach? You said one run since June? No runs? One run? Yeah, well, I mean, what, what are we leaking group messages right now? What, I, but what that was, that, no, I mean, that's all I'm saying is you said, fuck. what has he given up? One run since June? Yes, July or two runs since July now or something like that. You're telling me, and it was the first pitch of the inning, correct? Correct. You're telling me that guy doesn't know where the ball is going? I don't know. I don't know. I, I've seen, like, I saw, um, I saw people saying like, no way it was on purpose. Like it was, I think it was a two run game. Like you can't put them on blah, blah, blah. And I agree. Like it's not smart to, but I also think that if anyone knows where the ball's going, it's a Brayu. And after Adalis hit that Homer, pimped it sick. I just, I find it hard to believe it wasn't on purpose. And clearly so is the MLB. Uh, it's, such an like my gut reaction right away. I was like, I was pretty dialed in on that at bat after the homer, and I was like, wow, I'm I'm curious if anything happens here. Just, but again, I was like, oh, it's the playoffs. Like, who cares? Maybe they'll get them next year if they get them. It was an and, extreme pimp job too. We should clarify. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like right. uh, but, halfway down the line, still holding the bat, ball lands in the stands. But I mean, I, I almost feel like the playoffs, everything is off limits. Like in '19, Bregman carried the bat to the first base coach. Like so did Soto. So Soto did it right back. Um, but I think my gut reaction, like I said, like I was watching that at bat, and then for some reason it felt like the ball was in slow motion and tracking, and I was just like, "Oh my god, he's gonna fucking drill him!" And he did, and I and like you could just tell. I mean, I think Garcia was kind of waiting. Like, I mean, his gut, his reaction right away was to turn to Maldonado. And, you know, just to hear, I think Verlander post game was like, listen, like that was probably his biggest home run of his career. Like, I don't have a problem with him pimping it. And we wouldn't add a guy on base in that situation. But then again, 
you see the other side where it's like this guy has been the most dominant reliever in baseball basically for however many months like but again on the other side on the other other side he hit somebody last night too he hit garver last night so it's like oh way to cover your tracks that was you you know like upheld it's just i don't know i i truly don't know but i'm glad mlb didn't say or i don't know if it was the rule but like that he's serving it next year just to take all of game seven in the future if he had to do it out of it i did like that yeah yeah um but yeah i I really don't know because no one's gonna admit it anyway like post game like yeah we fucking drilled him do you guys like that one like just not how it works so i i mean i don't know i it's such a slippery slope i don't know whether it was on purpose or not sorry Ian, just had to say this part whether it was on purpose or not i'll tell you what they did they woke him up they pissed him off Bro. He proceeded to go four for five with two homers and five ribbies in game seven. He Bro, said, he you want to hit me? I'll hit you. Like, you woke him up. So to clarify, Dakota thinks it was on purpose. Zach said I do. three sides of the situation and thinks maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Zach yes, said that's... yes, no, back to yes, and then back to no. And then he I, said him. Quite literally, if I was in the middle of a tug war, I'd be right in the middle. I don't think... You have to have a lot of confidence in yourself to be able to put that guy on and win a two-run game and not worry about it. I think no chance it was on purpose. I think his his miss is an arm side leaky yeah, yeah. heater and like Garver in the rib cage yesterday was gross. That, Dude, that oh my God, that had to hurt so bad. Dude, what's his I mean, McCormick got hit 104 in the oh. leg and still, like I mean, 99 so whatever to the ribs. That's five miles an hour worse. I think I would rather take it in the leg. Like, I mean, sure. That, a that, rib that, shot. That rib, that rib uh-huh. cage ball looked really bad. But uh-huh. I don't think there's. I don't think there's any way it was on purpose. I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to say no chance that was on purpose. Are you devils advocating that, or do you truly no, believe that? I truly believe not on purpose. And I also don't think you should get. He should have got suspended for it. I think that's you know, it was leaky. It's a baseball play. Like. Yeah, it wasn't right. It wasn't really leaky. Wasn't he set up outside and he missed far inside? That would be like like, far, but I'm saying far. How many times do you see big league relievers miss that much? Fastball away to you hit Zach. You hit Zach two times. Yeah, that's true. Two seam in and then a backed up slider. That's reasonable. Don't let it happen again. You're saying that you won't. You're saying that you've never tried to let a two seam eat and that's where your miss is. Not, I've never tried to throw a two seam glove side though, personally. But I'm saying, I, okay, I see what you're saying. I just think it's it's pretty coincidental. It happened to be a Dallas. It happened to be the first pitch of the inning. And there was the other thing I would say, just in in favor of it being intentional, is there was a lot of smoke during the regular season between these two teams. There's a history between these two teams. There's a history between. Adolis and the and the Astros. So there is some smoke there. It's not just as this is an isolated incident that does play. Abreu, Abreu this year in 72 innings hit three people. That's exactly you're helping me. I'd also like to say whether it was intentional or non-intentional. Once Major League Baseball decides that he should be suspended. How is he not suspended for that series? Yeah. I mean, I just think it's like if you're suspended and you did it in the playoffs, you should have to serve that suspension in the playoffs. If you do, you're telling me if 
somebody just spears if i if i'm playing and i go and spear the pitcher like he throws one a little bit inside and i just go put my helmet through his chest like they're gonna be like ah oh, man you know what that's uh five games next year don't worry about it you can play tomorrow it's like what like if well, you get suspended during the playoffs you should serve it during the playoffs that should you should hurt your team if you do something to get suspended it should impact your team for the playoffs was that in game six or game five you hit him six okay well because he did appeal no and i know like in five. The regular- no five i'm sorry you said that you said that was so much conviction it was game well, five. That's what, well because they said like oh how is game seven gonna be affected and I know that in the regular season, if you appeal, you can still play through it while the appeal goes on, right? Right, Ian? Correct. And that's why I didn't know. I was like, okay, like he'll be good for games. Like I'm guessing it's the same. Like you have to wait for the appeal to go through. Like you there's nothing else going on. So push that appeal to the yeah. top. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I think it's intentional. Do I think it was smart if it was intentional? No. Like I think it was very stupid if he did it on purpose. I just think looking at, like Zach said, 72 innings, three hit by pitch. It's hard for me to believe it wasn't with everything else that was going into it. All right, Tom, next. But I could very well be wrong, obviously. And we'll never know, unfortunately. You guys want to make predictions for tonight's game? We're recording before tonight's game seven. You guys want to make predictions? Phillies 20 to zero. I I, I mean, I'm sticking with my... Phillies, Rangers, World Series, Phillies win. I still think Philly's going to pull this out. Who is it? The Fott versus uh, Ranger? Yeah. Oh, yeah. real quick about the Phillies. Taiwan Walker's on the postseason roster, correct? I don't know why he hasn't He's thrown. in zero games. I don't understand it, dude. Lorenzen just threw for the first time yesterday, or the last game. First time. And they, and they started that, and nothing against that Santana guy that started game four, I believe, but like, you're telling me you'd rather have a rookie than Taiwan Walker in game four? What? Didn't that make blew a lot of my sense mind. Was unless, like, what they, unless they wanted the lefty, but that lineup's not like super lefty heavy. I don't really know kind of where that came from or why he hasn't pitched, but he's probably sitting in the dugout like, what did I do? Rob, that, Rob, help me out. I'm pretty good. The pitcher who's starting tonight for the D backs, fat, fought, fought. I heard the announcer say it one time. Uh, me it was too. Fought. I was like, I was like, oh, fought. Uh, fought. You're right. Um, he threw game three, four, four. Game four. I don't know, but he was nasty. Three or four. One of those first two home games in in Arizona. He was nasty. He was. I think he has. I saw a tweet. He has ten point two scoreless inning streak going right now. I mean, he's got a he's got a two in the playoffs. Like he's been really good for them. So, like that's five and two thirds, two hits, nine Ks. Yeah, I mean, he comes out and throws five innings for them. Like, their bullpen's disgusting. I'm sure they'll have a really quick trigger on him, and they'll, you know, they're trying to get three or four innings out of him, not five or six. But, like, dude, Rangers been gross, too, though. Rangers disgusting. Rangers Rangers nasty. And he was nasty last postseason. He's nasty this postseason. He's got, like, a .8. Like, I don't know how it's going to go, but those guys have both been dealing. I still strongly believe in Philly. You know what's crazy about the Phillies? They don't really have a closer. Like they've had Strom close a game. I think Kimbrel closed one. Like they throw Alvar Alvarado's their best reliever, in my opinion. Yeah. Not even close. No offense to Alvar- not even Alvarado close. and but Solo. He throws Alvarado throws in the anywhere from the fifth inning to the ninth inning. Like they might tonight go Suarez to like one other guy and then be like, Hey Alvarado, can you give us three? 
They've done exactly. that before, though. He like they talked do it. about it. They've talked about it like they're on the same page, and he's like, "Bro, use me whenever you have to use me." Which I have heard someone said it this season for us. Like they thought of the. I mean, you wish obviously twenty twenty. You can tell when the biggest moment of the game is, but like, wouldn't you think that like in the sixth inning, bases loaded, nobody out, or like base loaded, one out, like? Why bring your closer in in the ninth when that could be the biggest moment of the game, and you well, might not they, even use your closer because bro, you're already down by four? You know who know who started that was Tito, bringing in yeah. Andrew Miller in whatever years that was, like bringing him in in the fifth inning, and guys are like, "What the fuck's going on?" And he would be like, "Bro, we could lose the game right here. Yeah, like, why would I not bring in my best guy versus your best guys?" And that was like this year, we kind of had. I mean, obviously a little bit different in the regular season, but we kind of had a closer by committee, you know, with Lang and Foley. And Foles sometimes would throw the ninth. Like if if this um like the situation aligned, like if they had their one, two, three and they were righties, like Lang would throw <clears throat> if there was different matchups and Lang would throw the ace sometimes, Lang would throw the ninth. But Lang, you know, obviously got a majority of the ninth. But and we would ask, be like, hey, why like why are you switching it up? And he would give you an answer, like, hey, like I want Lang going one, two, three. If there's some lefties in there, because he's better off of that or better against them than Foles is. Yeah, I mean, we we saw that in our division a lot. The Pirates would do it with Bednar, where if we had like two, three, four coming up, like Bednar would throw the eighth, and it was like your best dudes are up to the plate. Like then Bednar is going to throw the eighth, and yeah. or you know, early on, not later uh, in Hater's career, but early on with. Uh, with council, like Hater would, th- you would get Hater in the eighth if that was like, those were the dudes coming up. Like Hater's going to get him out, and then there was there was a lot of that. But let's move on. We got a list of topics. Okay, we're getting off the rails. Back on the rails, Tom. That's not a. That's that's following along the conversation. But yes, I think we all want. Let's say we all want the Phillies to win. Uh I was gonna. I I didn't get to make a pick, but I'll say it's hard Me to. Pick. Against the Phillies, uh, I I want to pick the D backs. We got a lot of D back fans in the office, but can't pick against the Phillies. I don't feel Zach. Fine. Is- I'm I'm picking the I'm picking the Diamondbacks. All right, You're against one Lavelle. How do you say his last name? Lavelle. Tori Lavello. Yeah, Tori Lavello. He's got a little bit of like a a mean streak to him. Not like a mean streak, but like his comments he makes. I kind of love it. Like when they went up to Philly for Game Six, he goes, "I mean, we're not going there for vacation." We plan to go there and win. He's like, we're not going to go yeah. up there and let him slap us around. He's firing the boys up. I kind of love it. This actually does not. I have one more question before we get to the listener questions. Uh, Kimbrel had obviously a tough time in in Chase Field. He's got a career five nine four ERA in Chase Field in seventeen appearances. That's his highest ERA in any place he's pitched more than ten times in his entire career. That's why we pay you the big bucks, Tom, is for stats like that. Nice. I was, I was, so I was curious, do you guys, do you, A, do you think that's real? Like, do you think he knew when he went out there, he's like, ah, I always hate pitching in this place as a pitcher, Dakota, do you think that's real? And B, do you guys have a place where you're like, fuck, I just always hate playing in this place. I'll tell you this. This is me personally. I a hundred percent agree. And it could just be in your head and it makes no sense because like you'll face that same team at home and you'll throw fine. But for me, in AAA, we'd go to Memphis, Tennessee. I had to have an ERA of 600 there. It had to be infinite. I never had a clean inning in Memphis, ever. But we'd face them at home, and I'd, like, throw good. 
it was crazy. I don't know what it was. The mound was fine. Like it was a fine mound. Everything was fine. Like it wasn't a tiny park. It was like not huge, but it was a like normal size park. I'd go there and get shelled every single time. I so think yes, every, I, agree I think with yeah, I think everybody has at least one or two parks on their list that when they go there, it's just like oh, for some reason I can't shake this place. It's got my number. They, they get me here. These guys get me here. I literally would say it to uh, I said it to RV last or two years ago when I was hurt and I was coming back. Their trip before I came back was Memphis. And I told them, I go, I'm very happy to miss that. I was like, I got I want nothing to do with throwing there. Because I'll start the year with 10 runs. There's definitely a, a sense of like comfort too. If you see the ball well or if you throw well, like you're looking, you're, you know, you're getting the box, you're already, you're already up one nothing in your own head. Like, oh, I love seeing the ball here, even if you're just tricking yourself. But like you get in the box and it's like, all right, I, I'm gonna see the ball perfectly fine here because I'm comfortable. I've had success here before. And like I said, you're going into that at bat up one nothing already. And it's not like I will say, like Memphis, I sucked at, but it's not like I'd go out onto the mound, warm up, and be like, ah, "Here we yeah. go." Like, no, I'm it would, just, get it would be like an after the fact type of thing. Yeah, like, like it clicks in your right. head after you're like, "This ah, man, place, like, man, I can't get it this hit place. here." Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, this one comes from uh, CSWC Andy. He said, "Off season goals for each one of you guys. What are you looking to improve upon in off season training plans? Anything new, starting earlier, things like that." Zach, take us away. Um, yeah, I, I'm starting a little bit earlier this year, um, especially hitting wise. And last year, um, <clears throat> I, I've thrown more frequently than I had in the past. And this year was the best my arm has felt. It's hard, you know, living in the Northeast. Um, and I think, I'm, I mean, I'm going to change, like I said, hitting, but then I'm going to stick with the throwing a little bit more and more frequently a few times more a week, starting a little bit earlier. And then the training, you know, I'm going to just the same goals, kind of bigger, faster, stronger, um, and really dive into the diet part of it as well. You heard it. Zach's coming into camp at 250. Yoked. Hitting Action bombs. figures. Hitting bombs. Dakota, do you want to? Um. Yeah. I'm probably done playing, so not much of a training program for me. Um, training my mind to be a good coach, hopefully. That's my uh, goal is to get into coaching. So just uh, staying knowledgeable with the game pretty much. But really, no, uh, it's kind of nice. Uh, I'm very nervous. I'm going to get in bad shape fast because uh, I hate working out. Absolutely hate it. Hated it even when I played. But I did it because I was like, well, this is my career. I should probably go work out. So, uh, yeah, I could be seeing three bills here soon. Uh, hopefully not. <laughs> but uh, I guess uh, time will tell. I, I said it to my buddy when I said I was going to get into coaching. He goes, there's only one of two ways coaching coaches' bodies go after playing. You either just get shredded or you balloon. So it's uh, I don't think I'm going to just stay the same. We'll uh, we'll see which. Dude, which road. I think nope. it's so sick when you see like. Coaches in any sport working out, like, before you even get there, they're soaked. Or, like, the Jets yes. head coach runs stadium stairs every Sunday before a game, and there's always video of him doing it. And it's like, you have to be so mentally strong to just be like, dude, I'm doing this for the sake of my body and not for, like, competition. 
RV would be two workouts in by the time we'd get to the field and spring That's training like, at 7 a.m. It is two like, workouts deep and it's seven in the morning. The one, the one advantage you have is you do have a great facility to work out. Like no matter where you Hopefully. coach, like weight rooms are pretty good now. So like you have a place to work out every day. And so the, will I take advantage? Yeah. The know. coach, the coaching, the coaching, uh, schedule of like getting to the park at like noon or one o'clock to crush the weight room for an hour before you actually start your day. We I just guys. don't, I don't foresee in my mind, just being honest, I don't foresee a world in which I hit a squat rack. <laughs> no, like I just don't see me hitting legs no. almost ever again. I don't know. Maybe I will, but it's unlikely. Uh, my offseason stuff would be pretty similar. Um, I've always thought that one of the. If you find a routine or something that works for you to stay healthy through the year. You stick to it. And if there's stuff that you subtle changes you want to make, um, that's one thing. But if you wholesale your body every year, you're looking for some injury disaster. And so just staying pretty consistent with my off-season routine and, and getting ready for spring. Uh, one thing I'll work on this year and, and want to work on more to maintain um, is speed, speed and agility stuff, you know, trying to keep working on uh, staying fast, moving, uh, hip movement, some stuff in the outfield that I want to work on, like hip opening, looking at some cornerback football stuff to try to help with like route running and just getting your hips open and that type of thing. But for the most part, everything will be the same for me. I also, um, that's your hang on. Really interesting. It's really interesting. You say that about watching corners because I love watching tennis players when they were um, returning and serve. It's very similar to an infielder's movement, and that's kind of what I've done throughout my career is just, again, staying on top of movements like that. Um, it's so interesting how you would look to a, a cornerback. Yeah, I think that's like the best for another sport where they're reacting. You know, they don't have – they don't have – like playing the field in baseball is so reactionary and there's not a lot of other sports like basketball. They're moving around in a play or they're moving on the court. You know, if you're a wide receiver, you have a route you're running like our routes in the outfield are completely reactionary. So it's more similar to how a cornerback would have to drop uh, and open their hips and move around. And so kind of looking at that to see what I can pick up. I feel like it's nice too when you obviously you have an established big league career now, like, you know what you've done every off season leading into it. So like now you just kind of go in to a new off season with like, all right, I did this. Well, I did this. Well, like you said, you stayed healthy. So you don't want to stray too far from what you've done, but you find something little to be like, all right, I want to improve this part of my game. And you find ways to improve that part versus, you know, overhauling your whole process. It's yeah. so hard because you want to try new things and see if that helps. But then at the same time, you don't want to, dive into something too far and then have it be a, an issue down the road. Yeah. Even, like if, get it's, banged even up if it's next. not a, yeah. Even if it's yeah. not like a direct correlation, but like, yeah. If but it's then you your look head, back you're and like, you're like, why did I do this? Fuck. shit? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen countless guys get in the gym and do like, Oh, well, I'm going to hit this like crazy med ball routine. Like I'm going to go nuts on rotational stuff. And then the guy gets a spring and two weeks in he's got an oblique or, you know, I'm going to, do this crazy sprint. I'm going to get ripped up. And then the guy loses a hamstring like two weeks into spring. And you're like, damn dude, like mm -hmm. that, you know, all of that work you put in the off season and then you get hurt right away. And it's not always a perfect correlation, but yeah, um, it's something I have felt pretty strongly about in my career. And uh, the other thing, the throwing thing, you know, I've 
like two years ago, like I added vision training. So like I'll do vision training. So like you just add little things as you go. Like the vision training thing has been big for me and something that I continue to do through the off season. Um, and after I had, I had elbow surgery and right before 22, um, so throwing um, throughout the off season and making sure that like I have to take some time to get everything back and calm down. And then like, I'll start my, I've started my throwing program earlier the last couple of years than I used to previously just to keep that in shape. Cause I do think that like throughout the season, like I feel really good, but in past years I would get to camp and I'd be like, my arm feels horrible. Yeah. And then it would, it would take like three or four weeks for it to feel normal again. So just at least throwing a couple of times a week, just to keep that in shape is important for me. What does vision training look like? A bunch of different stuff, but there's like, I'll, like I'll juggle every day. So I could try to just juggle for a few minutes every day. Um, How many things can you juggle? I don't stray very far from just a few hacky sacks. Three hacky sacks is, is my normal juggling routine. Not and like then, five bowling pins or anything. Yeah, no, we don't go there. Uh, and then there's, there's like these cards that you kind of cross your eyes and follow around. Um, there's a, like a magnifying glass thing that helps your eye focus. So there's like, four or five little things and you know during the season i'm super diligent with like i do them every day right before the game uh in the off season i'll kind of pick one or two things to do on a daily basis just to keep it in shape and try to work on that stuff i think you know as you get older you're just you're fighting father time on speed on eyes like all that stuff so just keeping that in shape and not like waiting until it's too late uh, i think it's pretty important you're getting old man Fighting it. It's time to talk about our friends at DraftKings. Baseball playoffs are underway, and things are heating up in the ballpark. With the DraftKings Sportsbook, you won't miss a minute of the baseball action. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Plus, all customers can take a crack at the sweet payday with the DraftKings Same Game Parlays. String together multiple bets from a single game for your shot at a major payout. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code COMPOUND. New customers can score $200 instantly. It's bolded. That's how I know it's important. Instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Only on the DraftKings Sportsbook with code COMPOUND. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort KS. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, L.A. 21 plus ages vary by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. CDKNG.co slash baseball for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right, let's get you right back into Compound. Next question. Tom Kimmel asks... What would uh, would be very interested to hear a player's perspective on the hot stove season. I assume you guys have a level of access and information we will never have, but are you guys getting into it as we are? Or are you just, I'll meet whoever's there in spring training? I think the assumption from the outside that players are more aware 
than the general public is hilarious. Like that's yeah. We have more knowledge of like why teams would do certain things like or if it's like your friend, like you know, if like Schwarber signed back with the Cubs, like you'd know just because Yeah, like there's friends. yeah, there's a handful of times that's happened to me in my career like when Arietta was talking to the Cubs on coming back, like I knew that prior. Like I talked to Dansby last offseason when he was making decisions. So like I knew that the Cubs had interests and like we had conversations, but like it's pretty rare that you know what's going on before it's going on. Like Kyle Hendricks talking about extension, like had absolutely no clue. Like I can see a world where like, oh well, you know, you see the news and you're like, yeah, it would make sense if you know if he he's probably wants to stay, he's been here a long time, like if he could guarantee himself a few more years, they bring his AAV down. Like you can kind of work through like, yeah, that might make sense. But like when that news hits, like I wasn't like on the phone, like, Hey man, just so you know, uh, we're going to talk to Kyle about an extension. Like, all right, awesome. Like you have no, as a player, you have no idea. That's what I was going to say. As soon as Tom said that, I was like, I feel like people think like people will ask me, like I have some buddies that are Cubs fans and they'll like ask me stuff. I'm like, Ian doesn't even know. I was like, and if he knew something like super inside, like, and even like when you said, when Arietta said, like he was talking to the Cubs, like that doesn't really mean anything. Like guys talk to teams like established, like Dansby Swanson probably had six offers. Like, Oh yeah. He's talking to the Cubs. It's like, okay, but you have no clue how much they're offering. Like, is he interested? Sure. But you know, like guys just don't really know that much. I feel like, unless, like I said, it's one of your friends that you're close with. Like if Rizzo, I think Rizzo's a free agent again, right? Or did he sign a two year? No, he signed the three year deal, didn't he? Three year, okay. But that's what I mean. Like if Rizzo was a free agent, like I'm sure Ian would have an idea of where he was going before it became public. But other yeah, than but, that, like, but even last year when he was going through, like he rejected the qualifying offer. Like it's like, hey man, what are you gonna do? And it was like, I don't know. And you're like, all right, yeah, because you're not, you're not gonna be like, tell me exactly what you're thinking. And it's not like Rizzo's responding like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for three for 50 from the Yankees, but they're not giving it to me. Yeah. Like, like they're I, not giving you. Yeah. But as far as like paying attention to it, like, yeah, I pay attention to it throughout the offseason. I think it's really interesting just where the market moves and kind of what players are trying to get and where, you know, where the market's going to move and how that affects the rest of the group. But like, I think that stuff's really interesting. So I pay attention to it. And like once in a while, I'll have a little bit of inside scoop on what somebody's looking for, what they're trying to do or what teams are interested. But like, that's not more, that's not more scoop than passing has. And you're more like one of the bigger faces of the Cubs franchise. So like maybe if a guy they're trying to sign, like has questions about the Cubs, like maybe they'd reach out to you. But other than that, like you don't know much other than what you see in here on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from the wonderfully named Frank Hot Dog 96. Uh, he asked, do you find yourself rooting for other teams or ex-teammates in the playoffs, or do you feel generally disinterested in baseball after the team seasons officially end? That's that's interesting because especially like if you have friends, like again, like I was pulling for the Cubs down the stretch. I was like, oh, you know, obviously paying attention to what they were doing, what was going on. Um, and you're kind of, you know, rooting for them that way but like again for an example like this series the um d-backs and phillies like play with a few guys in the phillies and it's awesome you know being in like just watching them knowing how they are as a person 
Um, but then you're like, man, that would be really sick for the Diamondbacks. Like nobody in their mind had them here at this time. Bunch of guys who we've talked about who are really underrated, kind of just taking it to whoever they play. Um, but then again, you look on the other side, like with the the Phillies, it's like, man, like that team seems all like best friends, you know, like it's cool to to watch a team that close to do it. I think it's both like, again, I, I, I watch a little bit like Ian, you don't watch as religiously like. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it's more of like rooting for like the storyline opposed to like teams, I guess you can say. And you kind of just feel yourself leaning one way or another. Like when the twins were playing, like I knew you play them 12 or 13 times a year, you know what their moves are, you know who they have. So you kind of like, you'll watch that game a little bit closer, I think. Um, but I don't think you really like sit there and root hard for somebody. You're not going to wear it. Phillies jersey and Ian I feel like I don't want to speak for you for Ian especially this year like I'm guessing the first like wild card maybe even a little bit of the division series like you're probably pretty checked out of baseball like you just had a wild card race obviously didn't make it you're probably not too interested in seeing too much of what's going on now that that time's passed I'm sure you watched a little more of like the division series and the championship series um would you agree i guess i'm more asking you that's just what i imagine yeah like i i watched a little bit of the you know first wild card series wasn't like too invested in it not watching every game i think for me the phillies have the most guys that i've played with or you know spend time around shorber's a guy that i'm super close to so um like obviously rooting for him play with castellanos play with kimbrell so you know that team is probably the team that I'm most invested in or care most about those dudes, you know, having success, but you just like to watch good baseball. And I think you like, there's also stuff, I think as a player, you kind of see what the best teams are doing and you're like, all right, what are the similarities for these groups? And then like, how can the Cubs as a team implement some of that? It's like, what Dude, stuff do we have to get better at? I think that's like, oh. It's such a good point. When we played the uh, Rangers at home, um, a few guys saw them out at a restaurant. It was like the whole team, like 30 guys were there. And I think somebody was talking to him like, man, like you guys got everybody here, huh? And they were like, yeah, it's like mandatory once a seer or once a road trip, road trip, we have a team dinner. And it's like, oh, I mean, okay. I think there's a direct correlation. And that's kind of how we came up Dakota, you know, with the Cubs. Like they all said that everybody was, really close you know you had such a, a great locker room um and then you look at the phillies they seem like what we said they seem like they're all you know playing and dying for each other out there it's not like you know they i'm sure they hang out off the field i'm sure they talk a lot you know um and that's a that's a really good point like you kind of pay attention to what teams are doing to see if you can implement something like that yeah that's kind of the to me the best part about watching watching the postseason yeah, I, I, one last thing. I was just going to say, echoing what you guys said, like you, you have guys that you know and you have relationships with. Like we knew Schwarber a little bit, me and Zach did, Ian knew him better. Like you tend to root for those guys, which makes it easy to root for the Phillies. I'm a little different than Zach. Zach likes the storylines. Diamondbacks don't do it for me. Not very interested in it. Would rather see the Phillies win. That's my last point. Um, yes. Who submitted this next question? 
Uh, I was going to ask you, there was about 50 people who asked about Schwarber. I thought we maybe could just have a quick Kyle Schwarber NLCS having an unbelievable stretch. But if you want a specific person, I can find a different question. Okay. He's got it. I'll talk about Kyle Schwarber real quick. But before I talk about him, I want to talk about ERC. 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 Omega Accounting Solutions is the official partner of the Chicago Cubs and uh, presenting partner of the compound. That is a line that I haven't read very much. I just mixed that one in today. They have the employee retention credit, ERC. It's a government tax incentive that helps small businesses get back up to $26,000 per employee for overpayment of payroll taxes during the pandemic. If you're a business owner, and you had five to 500 W-2 employees who can in, oh, who continue to pay taxes. If you are the business owner and you continue to pay taxes uh, and employ staff during the pandemic, you could be eligible. There's still time to find out if you qualify and file your claim. Call 800-643-CUBS or visit smallbizcashback.com slash cubs for a free consultation. Uh, Schwab's doing it. I think... Schwab is obviously a great player and has a like most interesting regular season slash line and still like hilariously productive. Um, it's a crazy slash, crazy slash walks, homers, lots of walks, lots of homers. And that I think what maybe the normal fan doesn't realize when they're like, Oh, Schwarber, Oh, how's he doing this? Oh, he doesn't get on business, get hits. That profile plays so well in the playoffs because he's going to get on base and he's going to get on base for Trey Turner and Bryce Harper. And he's going to drive himself in. And when you're facing the caliber of pitching that you see in the playoffs, which is everybody's one, two, and the back end of their bullpen, you need to hit homers. That's how you score. That's the recipe for scoring. Like you can't get four hits in a row off of, Zach Gallons and Merrill Kelly's and you know the dudes that they you face through the postseason like you don't you don't string together four hits very often and hit four singles like you need some thump um and he has that and so like what he's been able to do driving himself in is what plays during the playoffs and is super exciting uh and it's why he's been one of the best playoff hitters like actually one of the best playoff hitters ever I'm saying I'm calling a second pitch home run tonight from him not first pitch because i think they know that he could swing first pitch so you'll see an off speed ball one and then second pitch whack one nothing phillies i think you get heater away heater away ball one oh slider probably ball two and then two oh He's taking a hack. I'm not saying he's hitting a homer. But he ain't getting a, a heater 2-0. I think it's too. There's just people that have the clutch gene. Like, I feel like he just has that. Like, he loves the big moments. Like, I mean, you saw it with the Cubs in the World Series run, too. Like, he just lives for it. And he's he's so fun to watch. I don't know if it's just something about, like, his body type or anything like that. You know what I mean? But he's just fun to watch play baseball. He just seems like, and we know him, so like we're biased, but like he just seems cool. Like if I was just watching him play and I didn't know him, I'd be like, man, 
this guy seems like so much fun and he probably drinks so many beers after the game. I think that's why people love him so much. Cause it's like, it, he seems like one of us. He seems like, a, cause he is, he's just a regular dude. Yeah, he is. And like, but he hits homers and he is a great baseball player, but he really did like. There's something very relatable about most people don't have the five tools and he's not a five tool guy. He's got really one, two great tools, but those tools happen to be, the world class, absolute yeah. best in the world at those tools. And I think people can relate to that more than the guys who have fought, you know, or fast or all these different things. He's just a guy who goes out and takes walks and hits homers. That's it. I'd and like to guarantee, guarantee that if they win the World Series, he comes on the pod before the end of the year. That's a guarantee. But if they don't, I can't guarantee it because we were scared to ask him last year. So we'll probably be scared again this year. So hopefully they win it all, and we'll have them back on, and we'll be able to say World Series champion Kyle Schwarber. Well, third World Series? Second? Second. Was he on the Nationals team that won it? No. no. Okay, second. Zach, anything you'd like to say about our friend? Uh, I still I mean, remember, real quick, sorry, <laughs> brought you in and then just shot you right, right. back. Sorry about that. Uh, I still remember walking into our first big league spring training, Zach, and my locker was directly across from him, and I was so scared. I was next to Willie across from Schwarber, and I go, I'm going to die over here. Meeksy. Meeksy. No, he still he calls was, me Meeksy. If he ever sees me, it's still Meeksy. Exactly. He was just so great to us, even, you know, in camp, and then <clears throat> wanting to play golf all the time. He would text us. Like, he, he was just such a, you know, genuinely nice human being. And seeing that he's a great clubhouse presence everywhere he goes is just not surprising whatsoever. He fits in so well with that team. Like that team That's, just seems like so much fun. They, uh, I remember reading an article last year when they lost in the World Series. Um, it was like him, him, the veterans, and a bunch of the younger guys sitting around his locker. And they were just sitting there in their chairs, drinking beers, just talking about what happened during the season. Like that is, that's, that is awesome. And I, I like, I think he takes a lot of, again, I don't know, didn't play with him, but I feel like he would take a lot of pride in, being that leader, being that type of clubhouse guy that guys can just completely lean on throughout the year. And he, he, as a young player, was so good at, you know, soaking everything in. Like, he he spent time around John Lester and John Lackey, and, like, he wanted to be a part of it, and he wanted to be like those dudes. And, like, he learned from those guys. He was never, you know, he was a fourth overall pick and, like, a really big deal and came up and performed, hit a big playoff homer, you know, was a hero in the World Series for them and come back from the ACL. Like, he could have very easily gone the other way and been a dude who's like, I'm the fucking best player here. Like, you guys all fuck off. But he really wanted to be, like, one of the guys. He wanted to be a veteran big leaguer who people look up to and trust. And, like, he is – that's why all of his teammates love him because he cares so much about everybody else – in the clubhouse doing their best and like he that really shows it's also just crazy zach that he's i mean in the end but like he's our age yeah it's I, I, I just feel like he's like 35 yep but, but he's our age and i'm like that's what am i doing with my life you know Shut up. <laughs> today is the seven-year anniversary of when it was announced that he was on the plane going to cleveland and was going to dh in game one of the world series and that's one of those memories. I'm not a Cubs fan, but I was I was at Illinois State 
at the time I was in our radio station. I remember there was like a roar. It was one of those moments that like people were just losing their minds. They couldn't believe that he was going to do that. And then he went out and performed as he did in the World Series after everything he had been through playing in in what was he like in instructional league games or whatever? He was I was in the fall league and he came and played with us. <laughs> Incredible. And they and our our trainer, shout out to Matt Johnson, our trainer who went down with him to the rehab in Arizona was so fucking scared every time he would come to the plate because he would run, you know, the bases and he'd be like, Oh, Oh, and he slid in the second one time. He hit a, he hit like a pull hook shot down the right field line and he's chugging around and he slides into second. I just remember Johnson at the corner of the dugout, like, Oh, he's okay. He's okay. Cause that- it was, He's probably like, I'm fucking fired. If he gets hurt, I'm fired. Oh, yeah. It was like immediate. Like if you go down with him and then he hurts himself again, it's like all your fault. But he, well, and it, it was really cool like experience for me. You know, we had spent the offseason or a month of the offseason together the year prior um, after I got drafted. And then he gets hurt right away. And then for him to be down in spring, I lived with him for a month already. So for him to be down in, uh, in Arizona during the fall league rehab to watch him go out there and hit 400 balls off the machine to try to get ready. Like he hadn't played in five months and then like did all that it was nuts. And it's well documented, but I mean, he had no business being back that quick ACL, right? Yeah. I mean that like no business playing in a professional sport five months outside of tearing your ACL. I no mean, it, it, he could not run really. Like I remember he would get hits and it was like, oh boy, that doesn't look like it feels good. No. But he could still swing the bat. And that's all the Cubs needed. And he swanged it. And he could swing it. Zach didn't like this one. We went through it. In, I like this one. Say in it. the pre-show meeting. But I, I still think it's good. This one comes from uh, Gene Michael. Mm-hmm. It says, uh, cutting down on one swing when situational hitting calls for it. You guys have talked a lot about how people, I think, think it's easy to choke up and, you know, just hit the ball the other way. But. Obviously, much harder, much easier to do that in my mind than it is for someone to go out and do that against 99 mile an hour sinkers. So talking about your approach really with two strikes and how it might change now, especially. We'll let the hitters take it. Zach. I mean, it's Zach hates it. No, I don't hate it. It's more of like we've talked about it before. Like, obviously, pitching has just absolutely taken off um and it's not it's not an excuse or anything but like zach does your approach change on two strikes when you're in when you're in a a two strike count is your approach now different than it was yes yes and honestly like i get in a little bit more trouble sometimes when i do that um like i'll widen out a little bit you'll you know i'll sometimes um choke up but like when i widen out it's tough because i don't start nearly as early i feel like i'm going to attack the ball opposed to being you know, staying back and kind of, you know, reading the pitch. It's like, you you just feel like, I mean, two strikes is kind of, it's a daunting place enough where it's like, especially in a big situation, like, fuck, you know, I kind of got to get this done. And then you widen out, you feel a little bit more tense, whether you, you mean to or not. Um, And like me personally, I, I, I get in a little bit of trouble when I do that. And it's finding that, that line of like, all right, is this a time to do it is, do I even work on it enough to where I feel comfortable doing it in a big situation against a guy who's, you know, throwing me every pitch going which way from a funky angle, like, 
or do I give myself the biggest chance to put the ball in play? And that's kind of having my normal attack mode swing. Like there's, there's been plenty of times this year where I'd be like, Oh fuck. Like not, Oh fuck. But like, all right, let's widen out. Let's choke up a little bit. And like, I'll take a slider down the way. And I feel like I am just going to get everything because your center of mass is just off. Like everything kind of just feels a little off and you're digging yourself a deeper hole than even being in two strikes. Are there times when like, say guy on second, nobody out, like you'll get to two strikes. So you're like, all right, slap it on the ground to the right side. Like, do you think that in your head? Like, do you try to do that or not really? Not, you don't try to like fish fillet it over there, but you're like, all right, you know, let's, let's try, let it travel a little bit deeper. Um, I'm still looking to drive something up the middle. I'm not giving myself up, but yeah, the, the worst thing that can happen in this at bat is that that guy goes to second base or the third base. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like you're trying to find any way you can. Yeah. Whether it's base hit, whatever. Right. And I think that I think situational hitting is a very broad phrase. And there's different, there's different types of situational hitting. Like there's guy on third, less than two outs. Like that's real situational hitting. We're like putting the ball in play is super valuable. They, when the infield's in, putting the ball in play in the air is super valuable. Like when the infield's back, being able to just put the ball in play at all is super valuable. So it's like situationally, what do you have to do? And like, when does it make sense? Like just putting the ball in play with two strikes and nobody on and two outs, like doesn't necessarily make that much sense. Be- and mm-hmm. because there is still like, if I roll over at 64 miles an hour, like, it's not nothing's happening. Right. And if I take a hack and just miss something and pop up, or if I get, get my ticket punched, like on a good pitch, like that's not the end of the world. There's also like runner on first with one out or runner on first with no outs. When you're hitting the middle of order with runner on first and no outs, like a ground ball double play is death because Cody Bellinger's coming up behind me with a 900 OPS and he's got a chance to hit a double or a homer every at bat. So like, if I punch out in that situation, like it's a lot better than rolling over. So there's, there's like, well, well you struck out or like you, you, you watch something on the corner. It's like, yeah, but Cody now has a chance to hit in this situation. Like first and second, nobody outs. Like I'd rather get my ticket punch 10 out of 10 times than hit and do a double play. So like situational hitting is a very broad definition. And I think there was a good example the other day, in the Phillies game, uh, the Diamondbacks were up and they were trying to add on a run. So dude leads off with a double and then they bunt Carroll. And Ketel Marte is up with runner on third, one out against lefty. Um, Strom? No. Soto? Yes. Might have been. I think it was Soto. But this dude... Cattell Marte against righties for his against lefties for his career is a 305 hitter with an 874 <laughs> OPS. He fucking rakes lefties has his entire career. This year he hit 313 against lefties with a 382 on base and an 879 slug or 879 uh, OPS. He rakes lefties. Guy punched his ticket. Like what do you think he was trying? Like he's not trying to get punch out. Like 
this dude's given his best at bat and he rakes from outside of the plate. There's just times when pitchers are really good. Even when you're great, even when you're the type of guy like him who hits 300 from that side of the plate, like you're still out 70% of the time. Yeah. And like it's really easy to point to situational hitting. It's like, oh, well, you got to, yeah, but you're going to get out 70% of the time anyway. And when you're facing those high leverage guys, it's, it's probably more like 75, 80% of the time. So like, you can never tell what the guy's thinking and the fans and there's some guys I play golf with out here. And like, there's just some, like, what was that guy thinking? It's like you these dudes are giving their best in any situation. And to think that you can tell like, Oh, he was swinging for the fences there. Like, the fuck he was not. <laughs> that's that's, not the, funny. that's, that's not the funniest shit. Bro, that's the funniest shit. Listen, like I know <clears throat> like a lot of announcers have played the game at a high level. Like Smoltz. Smoltz is great. Like whenever there's been a lot of times this year where he's talked pitching and it's happened like a hundred percent of the time in an at bat. He's like, Oh, well, you know, he goes here, here, here. And then he's in a, you know, trying to go back foot. And then what do you know? Next pitch is back foot. And then like, he was talking about, Garcia the other night after he was struggling and then homers and he was like yeah you see that he really shortened up and did this and did that and I'm like dude like you don't know what he's thinking up there dude like you don't know the guy it was the game after the whole thing happened he was probably absolutely amped up out of his mind swinging at everything like it doesn't mean that he was up there like, oh, I'm trying to punch something in right field here. And then, look, I hit it off the train tracks. Like, it's just not how it works. It no, is, and it, I think it, that – Sorry, God. The swings, the swings where you hit a bullet up the middle or where you hit a rocket, like, they always look clean. Like, they look flush. They look clean. Like, they look under control. The ones where you swing and miss look out of control because right. you're tr- you're trying to – your body's trying to speed up to get to something or, you know, you've recognized the pitch wrong and then your body's trying to reorganize at a hundred miles an hour in literally two tenths of a second. Like that's what's happening. And they always look like out of control, but it's the same swing that you would put on the ball, middle, middle. It just, when it lines up and works out, it looks really good. And like the well, shorten up, like, yeah, there's times when dudes choke up. There's times when dudes punch it the other way, but it's more about recognizing the pitch and doing that than it is like a premeditated plan. Like, I bet you if you watched Altuve and you had no idea his numbers or what he does and you were just a fan, you'd be like, oh, my God, this guy swings out of his fucking shoes every time. But he'll hit a ball to the right field. And they're like, you see how he just, you know, just let it come to him. And it's like. Bro, the guy swings at literally everything in the rosin bag. Like, yeah, he's just a really good hitter. I watched an event yesterday where he swung at three balls in the other batter's box. But, like, he Bro, hits 340. Yeah, like, it's just, oh, God. That is that is a really good point because fans all the time, like you said, you swing and miss. It's like, oh, he needs to shorten up there. Like, he needs to drop, stop trying to be a hero. It's like, dude, if he makes contact, and it's a base hit to right. You say, what a job. Bro. But he swung and missed, and it's like, oh, he was just he was and trying to do too much. You know, it's crazy. It's the difference between, like, that much probably. Yeah. Like, oh, I caught it that far out in front, or I caught it that far underneath. Like, But, again, if he swung that much above the ball, you'd be like, oh, guy's just playing the game how it's supposed to be played. And also, again, we say this a lot, hitting's pretty fucking hard. Yeah. Like, it's pretty hard to hit. Like, it's – you see, we, me and Zach, we were talking about Merrill Kelly the other day. 
his ball looked like he was moving 10 feet. It looked like oh. it was behind a lefty and it was in on a righty. Dakota, that when we said that, it was a punch out, I think, to Castellanos. Mm-hmm. 22 inches of horizontal. That like that's un, that starts off the it's plate almost two feet. It's almost two feet for all the math majors out there. Starts off the plate away, two seams back, two feet at 92 paint, and it's like, well. I'm going to go sit in the dugout now. How the fuck did you take that? It was right down the middle. <laughs> uh, oh, I love when Zach gets fired up. I'm going to tell the kids about the Bruce Bolts. Bruce Bolt, batting glove that I use, family-owned business in Austin, Texas, actually started by a 16-year-old. Best gloves in the game. I have two colorways, a baby blue and a white and baby blue. They're pretty great. Go try them out. BruceBolt.us. They also have shorts. They have performance shorts with super light four-way stretch material, perfect for BP working out, wearing them to school, or just hanging out. Five inches that Dakota likes or the seven inches that I like, whatever you're feeling, BruceBolt.us. Great golf gloves, too, if you're interested in golf gloves. Great exactly ones. Right. I still use them. Jack, how'd the Jets do? They, they, uh, they did great. They won. They, had a, they won. They did win because... The Bills and the Patriots both lost, or the Dolphins both lost. They were on a bye week. Yeah, they did a bye week. Bears won. Big deal. Big deal. Bears won. Uh, Dakota's really excited for hockey tonight. And Uh, uh, are you not going to ask me about my weekend? Don't you want to drown in my sorrows with me? Tell me. Yeah, tell me about it. Started with me going to the Michigan Michigan State football game. The game was at seven thirty at night. We began tailgating at eleven a.m. Had uh, quite a few adult pops. Proceeded to lose the game 49 to zero. Uh, left midway through the third quarter. It's quite embarrassing. Uh, almost got into it with some Michigan fans. Oh, Not God. really, but like on, the guy sitting next to me was a Michigan fan. Somehow we're in the MSU family section and there's Michigan fans around us. I'm like, this shouldn't be allowed. And the guys like saying, like, MSU had like a late hit out of bounds. I loved it. Sent a message. We're down 35 nothing. You don't give a shit. And the guy goes, way to keep it classy. I go, that's rich coming from you guys. Michigan, cheaters, as you guys have seen in the news, probably. Cheaters, shocker, scumbags, shockers, cheating scumbags. Michigan is cheating scumbags. Statement. Post-it. I like how Dakota was saying he wants an R-rated episode and then went on the most R-rated rant, I think, in the history of the show. Michigan is scumbags. It's unbelievable. They're the Astros of college football. Are we serious? Ugh, I'm not even going to get into it, into it. So then that that was tough. The game sucked. It was cold. Had a great day tailgating. Great day tailgating. Game sucked. Sunday, get excited. Lions, big game against the Ravens. They proceed to lose 38-6. to So it was fun. It was a really good weekend. Um, it was a good time. Uh, looking forward to this next one. Wait, timeout. What was the 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 score total of your teams? Uh, two days. Plus forty nine is eighty seven. Uh, eighty seven to six. So pretty good. Uh, pretty good. Pretty. That is uh, so fucked. Good. Yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't the best. And we usually stay for like the whole game when we go to the MSU game. Just you know, out of respect. My buddy, his wife, uh, is a trainer on the team, so we stay out of respect. But this one was so bad that we got midway through the third. He goes, "Dude, let's go." I was like, okay, good. Yeah, because you I'm know, ready to go. If, if she had a choice, she would leave too. 
And it was like 10 o'clock at night. Cause it was a night game. We had been drinking all day. I was like, dude, let's just get out of here. Like this is, it's time to be done with this. You're already hung over. It's all good. I literally was hung over in the stadium. Yeah. And I was like, I'm the most miserable I've ever been in my entire life. But yeah, that was my weekend. That's so hopefully, sounds uh, like a great weekend. Let's uh, better ones than me. Let's get to Ian, the Ian, your weekend though. I had a great weekend. I had a great weekend. I went to F1. Uh, Zach Brown and McLaren was awesome to set everything up and had a blast. Got to watch uh, the sprint race on Saturday and then the full race on Sunday. Um, Lando Norris, McLaren driver, had a P3 that was moved to a P2 after Lewis Hamilton was uh, DQ'd. No way. Um, That's crazy. And a really, really, really awesome event. It's fun to have that in Austin every year. I know what those things mean. That's crazy. Yep. There's some F1 fans that listen to the pod that love it. Let's get to the Sloan just, screen time. Sloan is the world's leading manufacturer of commercial plumbing systems. The company is at the forefront of the green building movement and provides smart, sustainable, and hygienic restroom solutions by manufacturing water-efficient products, including flush meters, faucets, sink systems, soap dispensers, and fixtures for commercial, industrial, and institutional markets worldwide to visit to learn more, visit Sloan.com. Tom, you had a couple good screen times from the people this week. What were what were your two? Well, so I, I we just got a third one. We got a late submission 55 seconds ago. This person just tweeted this at us. It's not from this week, so you have to put an asterisk on it. But this is from August from J.W. Wemby, who, who tweeted, and I'll, sh- I'll share the screen chart in our group chat, 20 hours, 55 minutes. I've never seen the every hour the bar is just at the top. It's honestly one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. How That's is it physically possible? Prison. I want I want him in prison. That that gif that I tweeted a gif from our screen time from last year or last week that was the girl with her phone on her face. It didn't get that much love, but I thought it was hilarious. I'm going to be honest. I didn't see it. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, man. But uh, I'm going to go give it a like right now. Uh, a, a pity one. Um, all right doing, so that, what, what day are okay, we what, doing ian what day what's the oh, other sorry, one what's the other one? What's the other one so that no, one we're... technically wasn't eligible so our real winner we had uh second place here i thought this was going to be the winner uh from brandon he had 15 hours 53 minutes last tuesday that still though is not our winner uh from i believe this is yes or this sunday from nico fan club uh they said i need to go outside and or sleep more and I would agree. 16 hours, 25 minutes. That is our winner. Oh I, that was the Horner. That's definitely not a Nico Horner burner account either. There's no way Nico spends that no, much time. On he's not phone. doing that at screen time. Are we doing do Sunday or Monday? No, no we're, we're not doing do, Sunday. Yeah. That was fun. That when was did fun. we just start doing Sunday? Okay. Monday or today? Today. Hey. Okay. Let's do one. today. My, three hours. My Sunday was my Sunday was so much better than last Sunday. Sorry. Three hours and forty four minutes for me today. Three forty. Are you kidding? Three forty four over here. Wow. Yeah. Dakota. Tom, what'd you get? Three hours fifteen minutes. Oh, Tom, you did so good. So Come good. Come on. Second place. Two thirty eight, baby. Wow. Come on. Wow. Last to best. Come on, baby. Worst to first, just like that. That I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. And I said, you know what? I'm going to turn over a new leaf. 
That Ooh, is real. the Sloan screen. Tom, time. I'm proud of you, though. Tom, I am proud of you for that. 315 is very good. Thank you. Sloan screen time. Tom still hasn't won. Not sure how. Uh, that's episode 181 of the Compound Podcast, made by Parse Rum. Go to Benny's, go to your local liquor store, get some Parse. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.